Jesus went back to Capernaum, and a few days later people heard that he was at home. Then so many of them came to the house that there wasn't even standing room left in front of the door. Jesus was still teaching when four people came up carrying a crippled man on a mat. But because of the crowd, they could not get him close to Jesus. So they made a hole in the roof above him and let the man down in front of everyone. When Jesus saw how much faith they had, he said to the crippled man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law of Moses were sitting there. They started wondering, why would he say such a thing? He must think he is God. Only God can forgive sins. Right away, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said, Why are you thinking such things? Is it easier for me to tell this crippled man that his sins are forgiven, or to tell him to get up and pick up his mat and go home? I will show you that the Son of Man has the right to forgive sins here on earth. So Jesus said to the man, Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. As they moved closer, they saw the crowd and their hopes begin to sink, and they thought it was going to be something rather simple, and it turned to be something very, very challenging. Their task now has taken on a monumental proportion. Then the suggestion came up to take the friend, the lame man, to Jesus. Everyone thought it was a great idea. All they had to do was bring him to Jesus, and he would be touched by Jesus and he would be healed. But now their plan seemed to be doomed to failure. The closer they got to the house, the place where Jesus was staying, the larger the crowd got. And they realized that it was going to be impossible to break through the wall of people that were ahead of them. And they were saddened by what has taken place. It would be like if not that any of us were there at Sam's Club yesterday, but there was a lot of people, a lot of crowds because sales were taking place. And I could just imagine if we'd have gone to the 51st person in the line and been able to say, would you excuse me? I'd like to step in front of you. Well, probably the answer would have been a very kind no. And the process would be to wait our turn. These individuals realized that there was a crowd that was there and they were going to be in that place because they wanted to hear for a variety of reasons about Jesus as well. So their efforts were wasted, their dreams were dashed, and their hopes were shattered. The people had flocked to this house in Capernaum to see the one called Jesus the one that was called Messiah. There were those that were there that were sincere. They were religious. They were the sick, the devoted, the curious. You know the types that gather in the situation where there is somebody of notoriety that is in the place, and they would have been there. And among that group would have been those that were also there to destroy Christ. That was the reason they had shown up, many of them, it was to find fault and realize that they could acknowledge that he was who he 
said he was and say, no, that's not the case. All the people were crowded in the front door of Peter's home, and they were presenting a wall of flesh that could not be dismissed or penetrated. And into the story walks four men carrying a paralyzed friend. And we don't know <clears throat> why he was paralyzed. We don't know whether it was from birth or if there had been an accident that had taken place or if there was an illness that had caused the paralysis. But all we know is that he was paralyzed. And when they got to the house, it was very apparent very quickly that they weren't going to be able to get their friend through the people to see Jesus. Once again, I'm sure please move would not really have worked very well. But they decided on a different course. These four guys heist their friend up to the flat roof of the house. And I could imagine that the paralyzed man's response would have been easily, wee, anyway, going up those steps on the side of the house. We don't know if they were actually steps. It might have even been a ladder that the four men had to work with to get them upon the roof. And then they began to tear a hole in the ceiling. The picture on the bulletin shows that kind of a hole that was being dug into the roof. The tiles would be moved, the uh, uh, clay tiles that would have been there, the wood, whatever it might have been, covering protecting from the sun and from the weather, was being taken out of the way. Those individuals that were in the room would have probably been sh shaking the dust and the dirt off of their shoulders and off of their heads, and the process was taking place. But this did not deter the friends. We realize that this was the desire and nothing was going to stand in their way to be able to see Jesus. So there was a bit of discussion that ensued, and Jesus takes the incredible position, and he makes the incredible statement and says very simply, Son, your sins are forgiven. You remember that I said earlier that there were those in the crowd who wanted to destroy Jesus? This was all that they were waiting for, to be able to accuse him of blasphemy, to be able to talk in the corner among themselves and plan their strategy now and say back and forth, who is he? Who does he think he is? Forgiving sin, we know that only God can forgive sin. What he was doing was nothing short of blasphemy, or so they thought. Well, Jesus knew what he was saying, and he responded very simply by saying, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, are to say, get up, take your mat, and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This account is one that we have heard often, but have we thought about the four guys and some of their decision process and some of the things that they did? Because we, we really don't know them. All the Bible says is that they brought their paralyzed friend to Christ. 
It doesn't give us any names. It doesn't tell us any occupations. It doesn't tell us uh, an address. We are completely in the dark as to who these individuals are as far as their identities. But even though we don't know much about them, we know that they exhibited some pretty special characteristics. And these are the things I'd like to think about today in regard to the message. First was their love. The first thing you note in this account is the fact that they must have loved their friend. Remember Jesus' words in John chapter 13, verse 34, where it says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. Think about the motivating force that must have been there, the willingness to give of themselves. They gave of their time. They gave of their ability. They gave of their thought process. They gave of their opportunity to be in the front row themselves to see Jesus, to be able to provide for their friend. And not only were they willing to be concerned about their friend, but they were willing to be concerned to the point where they were willing to be inconvenienced. I'm sure that these individuals have had other things on their, on their schedule, but genuine love is demonstrated by our willingness to get involved regardless of the price tag. There are probably a dozen other things they could have been doing. They could have been taking their kids to Little League. They might have been watching a football game, whatever it might have been in this time period. But we see that they were willing to do that which would provide a message of love to their friend. They cleared space on their calendar in order to take time to carry their friend to Jesus, but they're willing to do it. Today, we're in a world of hurt in regard to the nuclear family. We know that often the role of a family of 25, 30 years ago is but a distant memory, and we find individuals are looking for a community of people who will extend the love of Jesus Christ to them. And when we realize that that is our responsibility it truly puts the perspective on it. What are we going to do about it? We realize that if we're loving Jesus Christ and caring for what he has said to us, we're going to be those that love and care those around us, and we are going to be willing to be inconvenienced as well. For what we look at in regard to the church really comes down to the idea of love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We know that the message of love is a priority of the church. In fact, we have as a mission statement, changing lives through Jesus' love. What are we doing in regard to this action? After all, if we're not here for one another, then why are we here? But their love was exhibited in a very powerful way. It was also exhibited in regard to how they dreamed for their friend. They were not content to speak their thoughts and then just let it go. They were not willing just to spend their time in what was. They were willing to travel to what could be. They had a dream of their friend walking again, of being able to meet Jesus and to be healed by Jesus. That was a big dream that they had. That was a great 
statement of faith in Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. They were desirous of seeing him walk again or to walk for the first time, to be able to jump for the first time, to be able to run for the first time. And even though they realized that in the realm of the possible, it would never happen, it didn't stop them. I'm sure if we would have asked them in regard to what they were doing, they would say that this dream was a big It was something that was beyond the impossible, but they were willing to do it. Now, the irony is, things even got bigger than what they had anticipated because they were willing to step out and help out. If we're going to be everything that we're supposed to be, it's because we are those that are willing to dream of what could happen. If we are to have everything we're supposed to have, if we're supposed to do everything that we're supposed to do, it only happens because we first dreamed of it taking place and thinking that it is a possibility to realize the God that we worship is a big God. And to realize that as our journey with Him unfolds, it should grow in our understanding of how big He really is and the fact that He provides for us. I'm sure that you've heard the statement, if you don't build castles in the air, you'll never build anything on the ground. It's the idea of seeing what could be. And if you only believe what we can see, you only see what you can believe. And just because it's never been done before, it doesn't mean it can't be done. And that's where these individuals were stepping out in the idea and the life of faith. We have to realize to vision, envision what could be with God's help. And I guess the question I would ask in regard to our own journey, what is our dream? Where are we going in regard to our life's journey? Where are we going as a congregation one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? I know Jim has been sharing with us as regard to our prayer and our study of Scripture and That is to remind us that we're on a journey. We need to realize that as a congregation, we need to verbalize what dreams are there. Perhaps some more of our friends and loved ones being a part of worship time. More friends and loved ones being a part of God's forever family. What kind of dreams do we have? If we can't see it, we can't have it. We've got to start with the idea of dreaming and know that that's the raw material of reality. These individuals, think of what it took. They they hadn't seen somebody healed by Jesus, apparently. They hadn't seen a paralyzed man be restored, but they were willing to take that risk, to do whatever it would take to have their loved one brought before Jesus Christ. And their commitment. These guys were determined to see their dream fulfilled. They didn't just sit around waiting for it to happen. And when something came between their dream and their fulfillment of that dream, they were willing to climb over it. They were willing to go around it, whatever it would take, to make sure that their friend saw Jesus. I'm sure that there were probably a hundred people who knew about the paralyzed man and probably felt bad that he couldn't walk. Probably 50 of those would have thought about taking him to Jesus. Maybe Jesus would be able to help. 
but maybe 20 of them might have actually gotten around to doing something about it. But of all of those individuals, we find it was the four who were willing to go to the extremes to provide whatever it took to see their friend in the presence of Jesus. The idea of the commitment that is there. People, we know that the Bible is full of individuals who dreamed of great things they could do for God. But a lot of people dream things and they never put it into action. They did not have the stick with itness that is needed to make a dream become a reality. For if we just dream something and think good thoughts, we know that nothing is accomplished. You look into the scriptures and you see the example of Moses. He had a dream of freeing his people. And he went before the greatest power of his day of Pharaoh and said, God is saying, let my people go. And we know the account, eventually we see that the events came about that freedom was granted. Joseph was one to see God use what his brothers had meant to be harm and turn it into good. He was known as the dreamer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were to be faithful no matter what in regard to their journey. And each of them had more than a dream. They had a determination to see that dream become a reality. What do we have in our lives that takes the love and the cooperation and the dream and the commitment to see that move forward? Even in our time, we can see that those individuals that dreamed were those that were willing to be mocked. They were willing to keep at it no matter what stumbling blocks came their way. We can't wait for our dreams to come to us. We can't wait for the idea that God is going to someday drop something in our laps. We should, on a regular basis, be those that are dreaming dreams and saying, God, what would you have for me to do? And if something stands in our way, like the crowd stood in the way of these men and women, they were willing to go around it. They were willing to go over it and make sure that their friend was brought into the presence of Jesus Christ. Obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. These men had a dream, and in order to see the dream fulfilled, it meant climbing a ladder, going up a set of steps, digging a hole in the roof of a house. And I guess the question is, what are we willing to do? Are we willing to invite a friend to be a witness and be an example, to love and care, to be sharing that message of good news and achieving the dream of being God's men and God's women in this world around us. There's also in the account cooperation. The cooperation, this one is one that comes home for us. If we don't know how they came to this point, we know that they did come to the point, and they wanted to carry their friend to see Jesus. I, I don't know if, they were gathered around and trying to decide how to help their friend, and somebody put up their hand and said, I'll tell you what, let's put it up to a vote. All those that want to take Fred to Jesus, raise their hand. 
Well, we don't know if that's exactly how things went. But maybe it was a result of one strong leader who was willing to say, come on, guys. Come on, grab the other sandals of this thing and let's get going. We don't know how it started, but the idea was that the four of them cooperated together to make things happen. And as the body of believers, we know that that is exactly what takes place in the church as well. One of them could not have done it. Two of them could not have done it. Three might have been able to carry the stretcher to the house, but have been doubtful if they would have been able to take it upon the roof and remove the tiles and get things where they could lower their friend before Jesus. But all four pulled together. And if we accomplish anything that God wants for this church, it's going to be through the body of Christ being united and pulling together. Now, I'm not saying that we all are always in agreement of the best way that things take place. Throughout the New Testament, Paul compares the church to a body that was made up of different parts, doing different jobs, but all function for a common good. We might not always agree on things in regard to what is coming about, but if it is in regard to biblical principle, we know that we can pull together for we are desirous of seeing people brought to Jesus Christ. We might not agree on everything. We might not say that this is exactly the way that it is to take place, but we can agree to put aside those differences and pull for the task ahead of us and see the greater good take place. Now, you think about it. Those individuals, I'm sure, didn't have any concept of the spiritual aspect of their activity to realize that when they were concerned about this man physically, a spiritual event took place. The message was that the forgiveness of sin came about. A restoration of life came about eternally because of what they did. As big as they were dreaming, God used their Willingness to be inconvenienced to love in a bigger way than they would have ever thought possible. And a miracle came about. We are in this together as a body of believers. We know that we have a task to do. We know that we are on one of the four corners as men and women as a part of the body of Jesus Christ to get the job done. And we do it because... We love, and we want people to know the life that only Jesus can provide, forgiveness of sin and eternity with him. May the God who gave endurance and encouragement grant you life in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. Father, thank you that you have given us today the opportunity for us to be a part of your forever family to know the message of life through your Son, Jesus Christ, to know the fact that it is not by our ability, but because of our willingness to place our dreams and our goals and our cooperation, our commitment in, in your hands, that great things come about. Today in this time, may there be those, I'm sure, that 
are in need of having your son as Lord and Savior, today can be that time to believe, to repent, to acknowledge Christ, confess the name of the Lord, to be buried in the waters of baptism today and now can be that time that forgiveness and life can come about. Lord, we love you. And Father, thank you that you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name.